if you want to have um, serious and meaningful relationships with anybody, you have to have a serious and meaningful, respectful relationship with yourself. Welcome to the Bro Novo Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. Hello everybody, welcome to the Bro Nouveau Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Pierce. Today it is my pleasure to present to you a conversation with Dylan Foss. Dylan is a certified athletic trainer. He has an advanced education in nutrition, and his company, Limitless Theory, offers consultation on fitness, nutrition, and economic well-being. We have a great wide-ranging discussion. You can check out the show notes for timestamps to see what we talk about. Enjoy the show. All right, and we're live. Dylan, how you doing, man? Welcome to the Bro Nouveau Podcast. Thank you, man. I'm a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so for the, for the audience, Dylan and I met in Boca Raton. Yeah, Florida. Florida. Kendall and I were in a gym class with one of our friends, and we had done this like really over-the-top uh, CrossFit class. Then we went to one of Dylan's classes, and it was a great workout, but way less way less over-the-top. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's a good place to start. You are a personal trainer, yeah, uh, uh, certified trainer. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a personal trainer. Um, I actually went to school and got my bachelor's as an athletic trainer. So um, I'm not a certified personal trainer anymore. I'm a certified athletic trainer. Um, too many certifications, the bills add up, you know. Um, and then I got my master's in nutrition. Um, so once again, like I could be a licensed nutritionist um, if I decided to pay the state of Florida their, you know, yearly fee that they want uh, for that title um, and for the letters L and N after my name. So um that's kind of what I do on a day-to-day basis. I have my own business. I have my own podcast. Um, I have apparel sites and I'm a health professional with a company called Nutrimetrics. Um, that's global, international. Um, and I learn a lot of things, um, from there that I just carry over from health perspective to my clients or people who come to my classes. So that's about it. Hell yeah, man. That's cool. I didn't know about the, the masters in nutrition. Did you find that to be valuable? Um, amazingly valuable. So, um, the way I think of my company limitless theory is that there's three parts to it. And there's really three parts to, um, a a balanced life, um, having, you know, physical health, um, uh, nutritional health. And I believe in between those two, you'll find emotional and spiritual health. Um, but the third one that helps nowadays, and we can't really deny it, is financial well-being, right? So um, economics is the third portion of Limitless Theory where, um, you know, I basically try to help people encompass all three of those uh, paths in their lives. And that's a uh, nutrition has played a huge part in me just understanding how to, you know, navigate through people's problems and issues um, because everyone has something some sort of roadblock Um, so if it's not physical if it's not emotional if it's not financial it might be nutritional or chemical right so definitely valuable i've loved it that's awesome man i like that structure of thinking about it because that makes sense as i just run over my mind about consciously pursuing 
all four of those pillars, mm. you know, short of a really serious like mental illness, yeah. I feel like most people are going to be feeling busy and confident and competent if they're checking all those boxes in their everyday lives. Yeah. Now I'm glad you said every day. Cause that's the biggest thing. Um, I, I use the term often too. Like it's not about, uh, necessarily working out once a week really hard right like you have to work out um consistently so within a day-to-day life i like to say you have to microdose um something within those three pillars every day (laughs) see you got to microdose some exercise like i wake up i roll my feet out i do some ankle mobility some shoulder mobility um and throughout my day i'm lifting things i'm working on different movements um and then, you know, nutritionally, like you don't just eat one big meal a day and, you know, one day it's good, the next day it's bad, uh, whatever. I'll just go down that rabbit hole of continuing to eat bad. It's about microdosing and every chance you get is an opportunity to either get better or get worse. And you figure out, okay, well, I want to get better. I'm going to make more of those choices um, in whatever pillar it is. Beautiful, man. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's really that's great, fantastic. I'm I didn't know that about your company. The and the other cool thing is the differentiator of the financial well being and, and financial education. Because I think looking at our country and the education system, you know, we used I never saw this because of my age and likely you didn't either. But things like shop class and mm-hmm. carpentry class used to be part of the curriculum. Yeah. But to what my understanding, there was almost never a, a financial competency or financial literacy course. Yeah, I think I had one in high school and it was a joke. Uh, (laughs) Like (laughs) if you asked me like what I learned, I couldn't tell you. Um, And it's not because I wasn't present in class uh, or I I wasn't, you know, trying to learn. I knew from from about, you know, 15, 16 on that, like that's something that's serious. Uh, You have to take that and kind of run with it. so when I got into college, I, I was lucky enough to cross paths with um, online business owners that showed me all sorts of different things, a whole array of um, streams of income and self-help books, all those different things. And uh, just understanding multiple streams of income is, is essential. And the other idea is that like, you know, talking about what we might hop into is like, when you are owning a traditional business, um, you put yourself in a position to be financially successful, but what do you do with the people who are working under you, who are your employees? Um, it's, it's no longer a fair game. Uh, you're, you're employing someone to not chase their dreams, but to chase yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that, as I move forward in my life, I don't want to do because I feel like everyone has their dreams. And in order for all of us to be limitless, um, you, you have to chase those in some respect. Um, and by employing people, you don't give them that opportunity necessarily. So. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I can completely relate to that. And I get one of the first times I realized that, when I was working a job and I'm putting in this time and this effort and these sacrifices, but for someone else's dream mm. instead of my own yeah. goals. 
And so since then, I've had more of an entrepreneurial mindset of even if a pursuit or a job isn't directly my own business, what skills am I adding that'll help me one day be yeah. in control of my own destiny, if you will? Yeah, valid point, um, man. Valid point. But how how would you square that circle as far as, say you have a business and you have an employee, mm. you know, once you are in that position, how are you going to, I guess, kind of walk that walk? Because um, ideally you'll have a very successful business in the future and have employees, right? So yeah. What are your ideas? Um, the online business structure that I've I've built and that I became a part of, um, the idea is not horizontal marketing; it's it's vertical marketing. Um, the idea that uh, the person below me has the opportunity to make just as much money or more than I do, um, and that is dependent on the time and effort that they put in. We are all servicing the same. Um, billion dollar industries and products and there's no uh, catch on if this person started later on their journey than I did then it doesn't affect their income potential Um, and I also don't dictate when they work or when they don't Um, so the uh, the the marketing structure that the company is built on is is the game changer that really changed my perspective of like, Oh, I want a big company. I want to be successful. But once I realized it was possible to not have to need employees, um, my whole mindset kind of changed on that. And that's where even with something like my podcast, um, I had, I contract people out, so I'm not going to make them, um, completely, um, necessarily encompassed under my name, under my brand, you have your own name, you have your own brand and you're doing your work as a digital editor. Then we work synonymously together. It's not that I'm calling all the shots and you get to listen and abide by my rules and that's it. Um, So that's how I look at kind of squaring that circle and and navigating my business um, ventures moving forward. Cool, man. So yeah, so it's contracting it out and also almost delegating piecemeal so that instead of having someone or people in-house who just work for you, it's kind of more of a people with specific skill sets who are also on the same mindset of, as you exactly. who can fit into the, the flow. Yeah. Yeah. Compete. Uh, competing is, is, is the traditional way, right? And you have any sort of real estate or insurance or um, regular corporate business, you have so many people on one level competing against each other. Um, and if Johnny on the right and Timmy on the left, uh, you know, if they're both selling the same thing to the same market, they're head to head competing with each other and a bunch of other people. And if one makes a sale, the other one doesn't get any sort of credit profit um, or uh, necessarily uplifting feeling from that. It's not helping either one of them. Um, So collaboration is is just how I see everything um, from that perspective. Cool, man. So I'm hearing a very empathetic mindset Mm. and a very kind of uplifting and bring other people along kind of mindset as opposed to just strict capitalist, you know, maximize that profit baby and sell out. Uh 
<laughs> definitely not so, my definitely not my go to uh, lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 beautiful, man. And Thank you. where did you think that that mindset came from, and what were the influences, you know, in your younger years that led you to this point? Um, I definitely uh, grew up the youngest of five, and that plays a big part. Um, humble parents; they both worked for the city um, in the state. Um, but growing up the youngest of five and a significant year difference, um, or age difference definitely allowed me to see, um, kind of other people navigate through like teenage years and me kind of see, okay, well, that's a bad idea. Maybe that's a good one. And that definitely played a part in just my perspective of the overall world. And I grew up in a place that was very diverse, uh, which definitely helped um, just understanding that I met so many different types of people coming from so many different walks of life, so many different cultural uh, backgrounds, and um, so many different home lives. Uh, everyone was treated differently by their parents or their siblings or had different relationships with their aunts and uncles and cousins. And um, that all plays a part. I'm, I'm big on... Um, every drop has a ripple. That's, that's very huge in my, my day-to-day mindset. So, um, once all of that kind of came to fruition and once again, I met through sports, uh, so many amazing people and overcame so many different obstacles and adversities. Um, but playing sports also led to that competitive nature. So I think I learned to separate, um, competitiveness um, for, for sport versus collaboration for life. Um, and Mm. meeting the, the, my business, my now business partners when I was in college was a huge part of that as well. Like I said, they introduced me to self-help books. Hey, like what, where do you see yourself in five years? I was like, well, that's cool. Guidance counselor never asked me that a college professor of mine never cared. Um, mm-hmm. so that whole shift started when I was probably like 18, 19, um, to take place, uh, which was a vital timing. Timing's everything. Absolutely, man. Every drop has a ripple. Yeah. The Zen master Dill in the house. <laughs> Zen master Dill. I like that. I might keep that one. I was calling myself, we were calling in my family, I was Rev Dill for a little bit because I uh, <laughs> <laughs> we we married my brother and uh, sister in law. Uh, my sister and I we both did the um, online little certification thing. Um, oh, so for sure. back last October, we we were making the joke when we did the wedding. Uh, Rev Dill, Rev Dill, or Rev D. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's fantastic, man. You know, I want to ask you about, I've had many friends go down the, these vertical marketing Mm -hmm. paths and there's always this air of secrecy around it. What do you mean? Not a secret society. Uh It's not the right word, but this is something that you and your business partners care very much about. Yeah. And, and all the other people I've, I've met who are on this path too. And the people I've talked to about it are generally not that into letting other people in unless they know they're really serious about it. That's, that's um, definitely more true than the listener might think is not. 
Um, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I think the reason being um, if you – a lot of people get uh, kind of sidetracked through basic norms of society. And when you come into a, a picture or a circle of people that – uh, m- might just accept um, regular business as business. Then when you basically bring up a topic like that, you're quick to get shut down. And when you're quick to get shut down, a lot of people just take that personally. They take it to heart. They can't really um, continue to maybe push through and say, no, like I-, I respect what you guys are doing. Normal business is cool it's great. It's gotten us this far, but maybe it's not what we need for the future. A lot of people just don't take no very well. So, uh, a lot of people tread very lightly and make sure that I'm not going to share with people because I'm too afraid of them telling me I'm doing something stupid or I'm doing something out mm-hmm. of the norm. Um, and, and that'll make me quit. And I don't want to quit because I've already done this and I've already done that. I always say there's no real failure. There's, there's quitting. That's the only way you can ever fail at anything is by quitting. Um, because if you were attempting something, then you were doing it. You might have not been doing it well, but you were right. doing it, right? <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's the journey that counts. Um, so in terms of the secrecy, uh, I think a lot of people just don't like to air it out there in um, hopes that they don't get negative feedback um, because personally they can't take it or they don't want that um, negative kind of energy around them um, when they're trying to build something. And I think that does fall true in regular day-to-day aspects of like someone who wants to be a musician or someone who wants to be a rapper, right? Someone who Mm -hmm. wants to be in the circus, like (laughs) no one's really like running out there. Like, I don't want to be in the circus. You're like, you know, like, yeah. yeah, I juggle. I'm like, you know, for fun, I do like juggling things and sometimes they're on fire and I wear tights and I flip upside down. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they're not like, I'm, I want to be in the, the circus because it's not necessarily something that's looked at as normal. So uh, totally. That makes sense. You definitely, it's a judgy world. It is. It, it is. It is unfortunately. Um, but I think once again, that's, that's learned, um, mm. in a sense, obviously from a survival standpoint, you have to assess and, uh, kind of understand what's going on around you, but, mm. um, to, to have negative cognitation given towards it all the time is definitely, I think learned more of a nurture thing than nature. Totally. I also want to identify a commonality we have. I'm the youngest as well. Uh-huh, I love that. Youngest of three. So yeah, man, that's that that's that easy living. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was the uh what was the age difference from you to your next closest? 2 years uh to the next closest and then 4 to my oldest sister. So it's all it's all close. Okay. So I'm 6 years to my closest, 9 years to my oldest. So that's a whole that's a whole bag of. That's a whole bag of tricks, yeah. <laughs> bag of tricks, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So yeah, I just wanted to identify that. But going back to the, 
yeah, the learned like survival, you know, that I was reminded of the social survival, right. Yeah. For, for kids, especially, but adults too, oh, you know, that I feel like that, what you just described is so relevant. Cause I feel like there are a lot of people who have dreams and aspirations, but maybe never took the first step because of fear of judgment from their peers. You know, like, uh, have you seen Step Brothers? Dude, of course. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> when, his, when his dad is like, I wanted to be <laughs> a dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go for your dreams. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to be a dinosaur. You know, it's like, it's ridiculous, but like, it's 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 real. But as a four-year-old, yeah. there's no reason yeah. to think that that's not possible, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. I, I saw something today that said... um uh, you have you have the right to pursue whatever life you want, but just know that pursuit will be the reality that you live in every day. I was like, hmm, that's that's a good one too. Yeah, that's what it's all about, you know. But yeah, man, I mean, that resonates with me about the socially stepping out. You know, as as much as a straight white guy can you know be a pariah socially, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. but. <laughs> For me, it was more like I always had very varied interests. And I was talking to one of my buddies from Philly who knew me from a young age. And he was like, yeah, man, you know, for a while there, you were just oddball, man. You had all (laughs) these like random, random ass interests and you were just all over the place. And we were all like, what the hell is this kid about? You know, but then he said, but you know what? It came together beautifully and now you are the person that you are and it's fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It all comes full circle. Yeah. So I can, I can totally relate to that. And I think that's what part of the podcast for me too is, is consciously stepping out of that traditional mold. Cause Mm -hmm. I almost hope that by, well, that's not a hope. It's, it's an, it's what I'm doing by publicly putting these thoughts out. I'm almost eliminating a more restricted, career path and lifestyle mm-hmm. because a lot of companies maybe wouldn't hire someone who has a podcast where they, where they talk about all kinds of things. Yeah. I totally agree. I remember my friend smoked on like my third podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, full send, I guess. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, it, it's like, there's no reason for, uh, you know, there's power in being able to act one way in one scenario and act another way in another scenario, mm-hmm. but there's also power in acting one way with people knowing that you can act the other way, you know, knowing that you're human, knowing that you have multiple personalities, knowing that, um, there's, there's a kid inside of you that's, you know, has ADHD cause we all do, um, at some mm-hmm. level of the spectrum, like, there's there's a uh, something freeing about just being who you are and people knowing who that is and going back to the judgment thing, just not caring what people think, whether it's good yeah. or bad. I think that's a great one we could drill down on of getting to that point of not caring. Mm. I think for a lot of men who are on that journey of becoming more expressive and more authentic, Mm -hmm. that's a huge roadblock, you know? So what would you say to somebody who wants to care less about the opinions of others, the the judgments of others? If, if you're going to let a good comment bring you so high, 
then you have to realize basic physics says for every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. So if you want to get that high, just know you're going to get that low. If you want to live a steady state life, which is what you're complaining to me about right now, then just don't care what either side says. Um, Mm. And as you can tell, we have highs and lows written into our body. This is the literal, um, basically, this is the energy that runs through us is that exact mm-hmm. heartbeat. What, what is that? Cause we're going to be audio only. So for the, Oh, for the folks so this, listening. this is my logo, which is an L that leads into your traditional looking, uh, EKG heart, you know, heartbeat and a T on the, the latter end. So it has the logo, uh, limitless theory, um, with the heartbeat in the middle. And that's essentially just, letting you know that um, because you're human, because you have a heartbeat, because you are alive, there's limitless opportunities to um, pursue. There's limitless opportunities to improve. And as a human society, um, evolution can happen in so many directions limitlessly. So that's how I think about it. Ah, get this man an Oscar. (laughs) (laughs) Too early for that. Too early for that, man. Oh, that's epic. Love it. I love it, man. Thank you. So uh, to to bring back, you know, what you were saying, like someone who, who cares um, too much, maybe, um, most of that has to do with just kind of like what's going on inside. Um, and it's normal to care. It's okay that you do, uh, but don't judge yourself for it and don't let other people have power over that um, is kind of how I look at it. I always tell people like, you have to have constant, constant conversation with yourself. You cannot get through this life just, uh, living on, you know, cloud nine the entire time. Like it's, it's conscious effort to do so, um, to have the conversation, to talk that negative self down, um, and to just build that calcification of your brain, um, in a good way to, um, kind of be numb to the, uh, the super highs and lows, um, that can take you away from who you are. There's something to be said for like embracing the suck when it sucks, it sucks. And like, it's okay to feel that and express that, but know that it's temporary. Um, don't let that be your forever kind of uh, persona. Totally. I think, you know, I just had a conversation with a buddy who is going through a tough time and I was asking him, how are you taking care of yourself? Mm. And he, he had a very good, you know, coping mechanisms and things to generate positive energy around him. But I, I, I said a similar thing to what you just said along the lines of be, be present with your feelings and, and mm-hmm. let yourself feel the bad things yeah. because you have to acknowledge them and move them through your body somehow. Yeah, absolutely. And like you're already fighting an uphill battle with your own self doubt. So like, don't let other people's doubt just pile on top, you know, like that doesn't yeah. help. Um, so yeah, I, to go back to it, it, it's not their choice. It's not their life. Obviously we try to move through as swiftly as possible without, um, being negative or, um, interjecting on other people's lives. But, at some extent, um, it, their reaction to it is their own problem as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So what's your journey been with mental health? Man, I would say the last two years have probably been like the biggest swing of mental health. Um, Really like reconciliation of like how um, dramatic it is. Um, Mm. I never, you know, I never really understood it growing up. But looking back, uh, there was lots of things that messed with my head uh, from childhood, um, family issues to um, anger that was built up that always came out in sports. Um, But once again, not knowing like what it's from or why it's there. So once I kind of started to move into this holistic health understanding and put myself around these awesome people and health professionals, I started to really understand and comprehend. And then my friends, uh, have gone through, um, some really gnarly stuff. Um, so my two best friends have really made me realize how significant this topic is. Um, And like we talked about earlier, like being expressive as a white straight male, uh, Mm. it's definitely been a journey these last like two and a half, three years. Um, Mental health is, it's a day to day. It's an hour to hour, week to week kind of thing. So for sure, man, thanks for sharing that. You have a friend in me. Amigo, awesome. <laughs> thank you. So you know, for sure, man. When we're when we're offline and whatever, man, you can always call me. Thank you, thank you for sure, dude. And I can I can totally relate. Last year for me was a totally anxious year, mm. and I had never really experienced that before. Yeah, and I'd always been we were pretty happy go lucky, optimistic, and those things didn't change. But it was the first time in my life where I just really was like so out of my own body and and, Mm -hmm. in my head to a fault, you know? Yeah. And what I, what was, and I, and I've, I've also been on the, the journey and I, you know, my life was influenced from a young age by mental health health in the sense of one of my best friends, you know, uh, attempted to commit suicide a few times while we were in high school Mm -hmm. and I've lost friends to suicide and I've been in that space for a long time just because of friends very similar to what, to what you were saying. Yeah, of course. And so I had this awareness, but when it came to my life, I was still like, so thrown by it. Like, how does it apply to me? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it was very humbling. Um, and, but you know, we made it right. For sure. sure. Go to to therapy, you know, rely on, rely on the, this this is what I did. Therapy, rely on my support, network and uh-huh. lean you know i lean into things that i know make you happy take care of me yeah, yeah exactly yeah for sure I, it's funny i just adding up and connecting dots myself as we sit here and talk i moved to florida two and a half years ago so um <clears throat> a lot of these things started to really come to the surface then um i guess obviously moving to somewhere where I'm not from, uh, limited family, 
um, starting to do things like pay rent, pay car insurance, pay for a, um, a car in itself, um, covering bills, working full time, all of that stuff, um, mm-hmm. obviously came with some anxiousness. Uh, but thinking back on it too, a lot of it stemmed from, uh, probably like my early high school and early college years. Um, my parents went through a divorce in high school, almost got back together. Then in college, they fully divorced and I'm living mm. in that house and there's obviously so much tangle, mm. uh, entanglement of emotions there. So a lot of that played a factor and then moving away from both my parents, um, right after college. Uh, so that all played, um, a part. And I, I guess I never, I, I always kind of looked at it from like the jock perspective. Like I played football, basketball, baseball, hockey, uh, Oh my God. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, wow. It was always like a, yeah, whatever, like suck it up. Um, and I, right, right. I played a high level, I was a high level athlete at some point. So it's like you, you play that mental game of like suck it up. It's temporary, but there's also very much power in saying, deal with it it's temporary like in a sense of like actually feel the emotion actually live through it actually be present for it um as opposed to like push it down and pretend like it's not there so um i started getting like i remember the first time i had like a panic attack and i was like whoa that's real holy shit (laughs) i didn't know that that was a thing um and i've had them since um And I know when I'm getting anxious, but I know that anxiousness and excitement are the same thing. So like the, my background in health has helped me a lot because I just know that it's part of being a human. Like it's normal physiology to be anxious when you're uh, about to have a tough conversation or you're about to have sex or you're about to um, do something in front of a bunch of people. That's normal. That's okay. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's not something once again, that you should judge yourself for. So, um, I'm quick to move on from a lot of different things, uh, whether it's like before the quote, right? Like you asked me where I got it from. Like, I don't know. I, it came in and I just forgot where it came from. I, right, right, right. I'm not very attached to, um, things in that sense. And I think that's powerful too. Something I always say is, uh, expectations lead to disappointment. Um, whether it's from yourself or from others or from um, a certain scenario or situation. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's what it's all about, man. That's that's why I want, want you on the pod, bro. Thank you. Some, some nuggets of wisdom. (laughs) If I'm feeling that anxiety, it's because I care. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and that's like you're saying, I like the language you're using too, like the, the the power around something. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a buddy who, does corporate speaking and and communication leadership training. And one of the things he talks about is empowering language and for people to apply some consciousness to their language and the words they use and how much of a emotional lift it can bring. Huge. Which is, which is great. You know, cause yeah, I I think it's really interesting just to look at, 
you know, all right, I'm going to go on a do it. Love it. I'm going to, I'm going to send it here. Yeah. So, so we, we are, you know, these humans developed, right? We, we had this incredible intelligence that allowed us to create all these technologies and these societies and these advancements. And we've covered the technological, industrial, economic side of things, right? Like we've built this planet up <laughs> to the nines. Mm-hmm. We've created value and, and ways of exchanging value and, and, you know, with, with currencies and trade and incredible buildings and all this stuff. But I feel like we haven't gone inward yeah. at all, you know? And I think that's kind of what this, you know, there are a lot of spiritual teachers who say that we're in, we're in an awakening time and mm-hmm. that like Corona was part of was that. a necessary part of it. Yeah. So I'm definitely on that wavelength. And if you think about like, when things start first started being built on this, you know, earth and this planet and like when history dates back to, and like what we have recollection of, you know, when you talk about like the spiritual side of things, when they first started building, you know, cities, um, and things of that sort, there was still so much spiritual, um, attention, right? Uh, and when we look back, like you can probably remember it's like seventh, eighth, ninth grade, you're doing like history class and you're like, Oh, that's so weird. Right. When you're like learning about these ancient civilizations and now Mm -hmm. me and you were both sitting here like, damn, they had it down. They knew what they were doing. They were so spiritually (laughs) attuned. Like they understood, they sat there and like they talked to higher powers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Yeah. We've lost I mean, we've lost it in. It's, dude. I the I haven't educated myself nearly enough on this, but just the desecration of native culture and and traditions, you know, like that doesn't get talked about. Dude, there's there's a podcast I listened to probably like two three years ago. It was when I first moved down here. It's funny how things stick with you. And I remember mm-hmm. this guy was talking about. It was actually Ben Greenfield. I don't know if you're familiar with Ben. Um, he was talking about how there's no, um, uh, right of passage in most common, um, in most human societies these days. He was like the rite of passage at 13 for, um, someone in the Jewish community is still there. Um, the rite of passage for a 15 year old girl in a Latin community, a quinceanera is still there, but we have a serious lack of rite of passage in American society where there's nothing. It's like, get your driver's license. (laughs) You know, like there's no serious, um, spiritual conversation or, um, you know, what it means to be a man or, uh, what it means to, uh, be this, this person that actually carries weight and mass and has an influence on the world and the people around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that plays a big part in no one really stepping through a threshold and saying, okay, it's time for me to grow up and act different now. And I think for sure to, to kind of recognize the power it, that, that we all have. Yeah. Within us. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Um, I always say like, you don't realize how much you affect the people around you. And that rite of passage, a big part of it is saying like, listen, you have serious, you know, pull in your friend groups, in this family, in, um, your, you know, social constructs of school and job and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, when you don't really become self-aware of that, um, it gets lost in translation and you don't really take it seriously. And unfortunately that usually leads to being a negative kind of, um, yeah, I like, I like that. This is actually something that you can build into Mm -hmm. family histories and communal histories about everyone at this age. They have these, this ceremony, they're taught these lessons and, they have the opportunity to buy into this mindset for the greater good. Yeah. Ceremonies are huge. Um, and, um, that's, that's very common in African cultures. Uh, it's very common in, um, Latin tribal cultures. Um, and then to take it a step further, what Ben Greenfield is doing with his kids was they're like 12 and 13 They're I want to say a year and a half apart or something. Um, and essentially he's having, he's like a real, uh, he lives like off of nothing off the grid in like Spokane, Washington area. Um, and he's having his, both of his kids spend a week in the wilderness backpacks only. Um, and he's essentially having them, he's been training them to kill their own, you know, deer and cook their own food in, you know, um, under a tree outside in, in the forest. So like, Oh, sick. And he even said he wants to have them experiment with, um, psychedelics. He wants them to do some sort of microdose of, of mushrooms or, um, of marijuana or like an ayahuasca, one of those three. Um, because he, that's a big range of potency. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know. I just don't remember which one. He said yeah. some, some form of psychedelic, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> that is definitely a large uh, spectrum of like what they'll get out of it. But uh, essentially, you know, he wants his kids to realize like, listen, if all of this materialistic crap goes away, what do you have? You have your ability to survive out in the wilderness. And there's mm. serious power in that. And there's serious... Um, there's a serious calming nature, uh, knowing internally, like everything in this world, all these, you know, ungrateful amenities that we have, such as running water and, um, microwaves, like those things can go Mm -hmm. out the door, but you know how to survive. And when you talk about like anxiousness is normal, anxiousness comes from being uncomfortable in a situation, um, and caring. You definitely care if you're, in need of survival. And if you're not used to surviving in those uh, situations, then yes, anxiousness will be higher. So, um, that's going to be their rite of passage, kind of like a spiritual awakening and a physical kind of test, um, to bring them forth into like, Hey, I'm a, I'm a teenager now. And, um, I'm going to be different than the other teenagers that I know because, I've experienced something that they haven't. So it's pretty powerful. Very powerful. I think that's awesome. And it'd be really cool for 
parents and families to develop their own ceremonies and rites. Valid point. That are important to them. You know, that's, 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 that's awesome. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. I think, uh, part of what I want to do, um, in, like I was telling you when I met you here was the travel around the country, um, very like minimalistically and RV not have a lot, um, just learn how to communicate with people all over the country, learn how to, uh, you know, find ways to make things happen and do them with purpose. Um, that's something that I feel like if I want to have a family and I want to have kids and I want to have a big, you know, booming business that is influential. I feel like I need experiences like that in order to speak from. Otherwise, the the foundation I'm speaking off of is is quite fragile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. I because I am pursuing a career in psychotherapy, um, but I'm taking my time for that same reason because yeah. I feel like the more lived experiences I have, the better equipped I will be to help people with their mm-hmm. situations. For a while I was saying, uh, like it's, it's funny. It's like you go to a school and realize that like none of these people have actually left the educational realm of the world. Mm-hmm. And here they are trying to teach people how to pursue a career outside of that. It's like, well, where, you know, where is your foundational speech coming from? It's not from experiences. Um, so that, that the educational uh, realm and institution is, is strange in that sense, because even if you think of a 27 year old, someone around our age teaching fifth graders, you're like, what are you teaching a 12 year old? Like we don't really know a whole lot in mm-hmm. in the, in the essence of life. Um, yeah. right. So like, teachers, I feel like thousands of years ago, uh, were someone in the tribe or the village that was wise. They were an elder. They perspective. They could bring serious perspective to a story, to a book, to a folk's tale. But to have people our age just trying to teach people of the future uh, how to live their life seems counterproductive. To yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's a bold it's, uh, it's it's sus. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Two things there that, that jumped out. Um, the first one is around how I think our educational system it teaches retention and recall, mm-hmm. not critical thinking. No. Right. So that's how someone our age can become, I'm not, and I'm not trying to disrespect teachers and other. No, year, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. But it's like, that's if, if, if what we're teaching the kids is facts and algorithms and formulas, you know, someone can teach another person that how to do that, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to critical thinking, which is a whole different skill set, And that, is more, I, I perceive what colleges and universities try to do, but why is that process starting, you know, at that age? Why, why aren't we teaching little yeah. younger kids how to think critically? Valid point. Like we shouldn't, we shouldn't start pursuing something at 19 years old with actual mm-hmm. critical thought. It should be 
driven home from a very young age. Everything should be approached that way. Yeah. And I, that's the other thing I was reminded of a story. My, my buddy Marty is this like ledge from the Bay area. He's like a soul surfer dude. Okay. Like he's the man <laughs> and he's a, he's a teacher. He's a public school teacher in San Francisco. And he told me the story. He was on a surf trip. He was in Barbados, I think. And he was out in the lineup, you know, all day cause he was on vacation. And then after work, you know, the locals paddle out all these dudes, they're all surfing, getting stoked. And then afterwards, um, they went to the bar and he was, he was, he was chopping it up with them and they found out he was a teacher and they were like, teacher, <laughs> they're like, this guy's a fucking teacher, everybody. And they all bought him <laughs> drinks and everyone cheers him. They're like, you're a legend. Like, thank you for being a teacher. <laughs> As opposed to here, you know, where teachers get paid, you know, Nothing. barely a living wage and get no respect. No, yeah. No, that's a great point. But I do want to ask you one more thing about how you engage with uh, the concept of white privilege and engage in that racial dialogue. Cause I think that's a, there's not a lot of great modeling for yeah. uh, young white men around that topic. And I think I'd be curious to get your, your perspective. Uh, I like it. Um, it's interesting. I have once again, a, a, I have had the privilege of growing up in a very diverse area, um, going to school, and playing sports with so many different ethnicities and nationalities and backgrounds. Um, and I guess I was never aware of it um, for a long time. Um, and I guess when I got to middle school, I started to see that like there was a way that I would say people in power, right? Like teachers, mm -hmm. police officers, uh, uh, school administrators. Um, they approached me differently for sure. Um, and I never really understood why my parents were never throwing any ideas like that out to me. My brothers and sisters, obviously grew up in the same area as me. Um, and it's interesting um, how much since we were, what, since we were 10, how much this has like really taken a turn. Um, mm. I, I wore this shirt because this is what I believe. Um, mm -hmm. Your shirt says I am human. I am human. Yeah. Sorry uh, for the listeners. So I, I, whether I'm male or female or falling in the middle, um, mm -hmm. whether I am from a background, uh, ethnicity or nationality that has darker skin, lighter skin, um, different shades of skin, different dialects. I've always just looked at people as humans, um, and that's, this is a big part of the reason I want to travel is like, I, I just think that bringing my own perspective to it is the only thing that I can do to help the societal division that we seem to have. 
um, mm-hmm. because I know that I can't influence other people unless myself, you know, I have that foundation to, um, bring as much perspective to it as possible. And I also know that by me acting a certain way, I influence the person next to me, the people next to me. So, uh, I also, I've been in interracial relationships more often than not, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's always been something that's like, I, I seek out other cultures. I seek out other perspectives and nationalities and ethnicities. Um, I'm, that's just how I'm wired. Um, and I, I guess it sucks to see when people really don't understand that they have a white privilege. Um, and then to then take advantage of it and still not even know that it's there is really frustrating Mm -hmm. for me. Um, it's, I don't know. There's so many things that it pops up in like on a day to day basis. And, um, as much as like people can joke about it sometimes too, you know, like, Oh yeah. White privilege problems or like same way. Someone Mm. might say first world problems. Right. Like, Mm. but when you say first world problems, what does that mean? Because if you look at what percentage of the world is first world compared to third world, you'll notice that most of the ethnicities of the first world countries are some sort of, you know, European or white. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's basically saying white people problems. Yeah, yeah. you're right. It's so, it's <laughs> so, and that, that, that goes back to what you were saying earlier, is like the power of language. You really don't understand um, the problems that you're ensuing just through voicing words out there. And the simplest thing is like saying black and white. That's that's obsolete because I'm Irish and um, Swedish and French, but someone looks at me and says, no, you're white. Well, okay. But Mm. that means that, you know, the person down the street who appears to be black or African American, they could be Nigerian and Irish for all you know. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it just appears on the outside, on the exterior, that that's what they are. That doesn't mean that that's how they act. That doesn't mean that they speak a certain language. That doesn't mean that it's judging a book by its cover. And it's um, really just comes down to, once again, we're, we're building so superficially as a society, um, whether it's big buildings or, you know, fancy phones, um, mm-hmm. that we forget what matters is what's internal. Um, and you don't understand what's internal in somebody else until you have conversation like this, which is why I'm mm-hmm. sure you wanted to start this podcast. And this is why I wanted to start my podcast is because mm-hmm. long form content really spills out um, what our brain is capable of and what it really means. Um, short form is great for certain things, but if it's, uh, for portraying an idea, it's definitely not because <laughs> things can get twisted totally. and judged. I don't know if that answered your question, but oh, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said, Thank man. You. I mean, there's a lot in there, I think because of your exposure from a young age and then your conscious exposure afterwards, mm-hmm. you've 
educated yourself to a point where any kind of um, prejudice is far from front and center. Yeah. You know, you know, I, I that's, that's what I heard is that you've, you've been on a, a path of understanding a lot of people and not just people that look like you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also heard too, it's kind of interesting that getting too focused on the race is a problem too. You know, saying I don't see color is problematic because if you, if you say that it's like, well, then you're not, um, you're not, I, you're just counting this, this person's identity. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I feel like that's not really what you're saying. I feel like what you're saying is more like get to know the individual mm-hmm. and don't assume anything positive or negative based on what they look like. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you judge a dog by its fur coat color? Like, no. Okay. So right. why, why? <laughs> you know, like that's, it's yeah. If I identified people by the way their left earlobe looked like, I'm just shooting a shot in the dark, man. Like that's not a good metric. Yeah. It, it's not a good <laughs> metric. None of these physical attributes are good metrics. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I just have, I have a, I have a tough time um, understanding why there's such a problem with it, but I'm empathetic to the fact that everyone's on a journey and everyone's in a different place and not everyone had the exposure that I had. Um, Mm. But at a certain point, it's, um, it's a conscious decision to continue to be naive and ignorance is definitely bliss. And that plays a part. Boom. Hell yeah. I love it. Okay, last segment here. Let's do it. We're going to play three three things. This is a game folks out there can go check out liveinwonder.com and check this game out. Dylan, what month is your birthday in? December. Okay. My birthday's closer, so I'll go first. Okay. So th- this game, we each pick a card. I'll show you yours okay. when it's your turn. Um, and we'll, we'll answer the question. So my question, what are three things you have learned getting into trouble? This is for me or for you? This is for you. This is, this is what, yeah, okay. for me. One would be my limits of, uh, I guess, how much ambiguity and, and punishment I can take, <laughs> you know? Like, I feel like I, I, I have that, like, you know, rebel attitude. And then once I actually start getting into trouble, I'm like, okay, never mind. I'm not. You start to quiver, yeah. <laughs> I'm not that badass. <laughs> Uh, I think good trouble is good, right? Like John John Lewis, um, and he he had a line about making good trouble in the in the fight for civil rights. So I think that's good. Shaking it up is 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 a good mm-hmm. thing. Like I don't subscribe to the the belief of ask for forgiveness, not permission. Mm-hmm. I'm more on the line of let's have the tough the tough conversation up front and get the get the permission ahead of time before doing something stupid. Okay. <laughs> I <laughs> I can uh, attest to that one for sure. Hell yeah. All right. And here's yours. Let's see Hold it. it up to the camera. What are the three lessons that have taken you the longest to learn? <clears throat> okay. One is definitely going to hit on what we were just talking about. Every person you meet is an opportunity to learn from or teach. Um, I think that's one that mm. you constantly have to remind yourself of, meaning once again, like walk into every new relationship uh, or new opportunity of meeting someone else 
with completely open mind. Uh, you can either help that way, that person in some way, or they can help you in some way. Number two lesson. Um, nothing is free in the sense that, Mm. uh, everything has some sort of counteraction to it. Right. Like I said before, for every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. So, uh, if something appears, you know, to be helpful, understand that it might be detrimental to something else. Um, just because an opportunity arises doesn't mean that another one is closing. Um, nothing is free. That'd be number two. Mm-hmm. Um, number three, it's gotta be something about love. The sticker over there on my, in my room says love heals. It would have to be around the fact that like, if you want to be able to have um, serious and meaningful relationships with anybody, you have to have a serious and meaningful, respectful, self-healing relationship with yourself. Once again, I think that comes back to what I said before, like, don't judge yourself. Um, and it's not that these lessons have been learned, but it's that I'm aware of them and they're constant conversations. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, really. Nice one. Thank you, dude. Well said. Appreciate it. You opened up the door for, for all things to be said, so... <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. It's easy. Yes. So anybody wants to check that game out, liveinwonder.com. Dylan, thank you so much, man. This was uh Thomas, thank you, sick. man. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. I, uh, we got to redo this again. Um, for sure. I feel like we could talk for <laughs> several more hours. For sure, man. Let me know when you need to book some guests, and I'll, I would love to go on your show. All right. Sweet. I'm looking forward. Where, where can uh, where can the good people find your content? Say somebody needs a, a personal trainer. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, you can go over to my website, um, thelimitlesstheory.com, or you can check me out on um, Instagram, uh, dfoss underscore three, uh, Twitter, d underscore foss three. It's the inverse. Um, but if you go to the website, um, you'll be able to find everything on there. Um, all of my socials are linked on there. My websites, my apparel, YouTube, you name it. So right on, bro. Well, thank you so much, man. Appreciate the time. All right. Thank you, Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. See you, bro. Peace. All right, folks. There you have it. Thanks so much to Dylan for coming on the show. You can check out his work at thelimitlesstheory.com. Head over to liveinwonder.com to check out the Three Things game. And thanks for joining me again here on the Bro Nouveau podcast. We'll see you next Thursday.